Welcome to the Summit County HealthCast, a podcast to improve the health and wellness of residents in Summit County, Utah. Join us as we interview local experts, professionals, and more to provide you with the best health and wellness tips Summit County has to offer. Let's get started. everyone, Derek here with a quick update before we get into today's episode with Aaron Bergen. This month, May 2017, all of our interviews on the HealthCast will be focused around Summit County's mental health efforts to celebrate and raise awareness for Mental Health Month. So we hope that you enjoy all the content we have to offer regarding mental health and the progress we're making in the community and the different individuals we've gathered together to share their expertise. Thanks and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Summit County HealthCast. I am here today with Aaron Bergen, who is the founder of Suicide Sucks. How's it going today, Aaron? Oh, so good. So good. It was fortunate we, this is kind of a surprise interview we're doing. We had Aaron here for a Suicide Prevention Coalition, got to talking. I felt we really wanted to share his story on the podcast. And so we just jumped right into it after the meeting and we're kind of going to go into some of the stuff that Aaron does. And with that, I'll let you take it away. Uh, you want to give us a short intro? on what you do and how Suicide Sucks came to be and things like that. My younger brother was only 15 months younger than me. He took his life and completed his suicide December 3rd of 2009. I was actually on an LDS mission in Washington at the time, and I, I found out that he had had died from a self-inflicted shotgun wound. And uh, it, it was a couple of years of just coping with that and dealing with that, uh, the pain and, and the just kind of the sorrow, I guess, that comes from um, comes after your family members take their lives. I started getting to this mental state where I really wanted to know and connect with my brother who had been gone for a few years. So I started jumping online and started to try to figure out, put myself in his shoes. What is it like to feel suicidal? And what are the responses online? What If I went to Google and type in, how do I kill myself? What comes back? I was super appalled when I found out that everything that res- the response came back as was very pro-harm and was teaching me how to die and how to die painlessly or how to die quickly. And I was so mad. I, I, there's no other word for it. I was angry because technology and SEO and, and marketing tools had existed for at least a decade to prevent that type of thing from happening and to and to put at the front of your search history at least something that's pro-life, something that's positive or hopeful or encouraging, or at the very least, here's a way to get some resources. And so that day I just launched this this initiative saying innovation has to be brought into the picture. I'm just tired of technology being underutilized. And so now I call myself a suicide prevention strategist and I'm basically going around doing trainings, going to coalitions and just helping people really open up their eyes and their minds and the possibilities of what does technology offer suicide prevention. And I don't know, it's just been kind of a fun ride since then. You kind of gave us the background on how this got started. What was kind of your first steps to set things up? So you went on Google and you've got this list of search results that are were obviously very negative. What was the first thing you did after you pulled up that page and you saw this information and realized you wanted to start this program? 
The first thing I did was look into the, the nonprofits that existed throughout Utah to see which nonprofits are lining up with the initiatives that I think should be the top of the list priority for suicide prevention organizations. And unfortunately, the only thing that was, was in, that came as a response or a result of that was I got invited to a bunch of walks around a track. I, I didn't feel like that matched up with the, the, the direction that needed to be taken. And there was no company out there. There was no organization out there that's saying there is so much technology and we are on the brink of marketing advancements that allow us to just know exactly who you are and know exactly what your needs are so we can match up content that's applicable, that's valuable, that's uplifting. I knew it was possible. Nobody was doing it. So boom, there's an opportunity. I started a nonprofit organization. I mean, the process is kind of arduous. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> if there, if there's any nonprofit, you know, seekers out there, I would certainly say find someone that's close to what you're doing and offer to, to create an additional branch of what they're doing because starting, owning, operating, managing is, is clearly not very much fun especially if it, all the work's already been done by somebody else. So just jump on board with whatever else is going on and then offer up a new path or a new branch of whatever they have going and, and offer to, to, to direct and manage that. Talking about the, the resources you saw out there, they were more in-person or physical things. And no, one thing when we look at kind of the innovations that have taken place online and with social media and things like that, it's always the negative stuff that seems to kind of take the forefront and lead the way. And then you kind of have everything else that's playing catch up. And it was interesting, I think, that no one else had thought of this, that you came up with this solution in a way to, one, not only reach people where they're increasingly spending more time online and on social media, but two, reaching out to them in this space that no one else really is providing resources that they're actually going to find and aren't buried in search results somewhere. There's a challenge there because I'm talking about creating the technology to find people that have needs and build profiles around those needs so that when I have a new search result or a new query online that I can then send them targeted marketing advertisement. And I say marketing advertisement, I'm not looking to sell them anything. So the, the challenge that, that is created when, when I started recognizing that the technology doesn't exist to, to help see who is suicidal, there is no behavioral analysis online to actually match up with indicators of suicide, which actually would require us to find historical data of those that have killed themselves and match that up to against against his data that's taking place right now and and then be able to correlate those factors that are similar and be able to then based off of those probabilities have that certain degree of confidence that somebody else demonstrating these certain categories of, of indicators are potentially dangerous to themselves that technology is crazy advanced it's very very modern and machine learning and artificial intelligence really is a big factor in that fortunately Facebook, Google, these large companies are interested in that and are now putting a greater investment toward that type of technology. And so it's what it's doing is creating a different opportunity for us. And that different opportunity is once a machine can identify someone that's suicidal, what can they do? A computer can't teach somebody, a, cu a computer can't 
talk to somebody through a problem yet, but that creates an opportunity for us to create content that's individually specific and applicable to anybody's circumstance that might be suicidal and demonstrating that suicidal ideation online. So anyway, it's, it's kind of a unique experience and it's a, it's a really cool experience. How do you create content that's valuable, uplifting, hopeful, without causing people to be bored or causing people to feel like you're disingenuous? Um, how do you build trust and kind of this empathetic situation that actually helps people rather than deters people from getting help? Thinking about my own experiences on Facebook and with advertising and stuff, and it's like you'll go on Amazon and you'll be browsing through something, say it's some kind of watch, and then the next thing you know, no matter where you are, you're getting ads for that watch everywhere. And it's refreshing to know that you and these corporations are working on using that, I guess you could almost say for the greater good rather than just to sell something. Providing these resources for people in in different ways and basically putting it out everywhere for them and making it really accessible. So you talked about the first step which is generating, creating some kind of technology that can basically monitor different types of search feeds and social media and things like that. And we talked a little bit about where it goes from there but what's kind of your vision on once you have a technology that starts to identify these people, what do you see as the next step? Well, suicide is a personal problem, right? It's, it's people have a problem being personal, and I've, I feel like personal connectivity is the answer to, to this, the suicide epidemic. And so what the, the opportunity now is that that creates is once the technology identifies which personas are suicidal, then we need to be able to connect with them on a personal level. For a machine to be able to match those two together, there has to be some sort of library or database of content that's very specific and applicable to every circumstance that they could possibly come across, which means that the 45-year-old uh, firefighter that's experiencing PTSD doesn't get advertising or, or hope-filled messages about what, what's it like to get dumped by your girlfriend in high school. Right. Um, we really need to create content that's, that's very specific so that the, that the machines can then go through, catalog it, and then recognize based off of the, the indicators which content applies, which content matters to this individual. So that that specific individual feels like, hey, there's somebody out there that's putting all this work and effort into creating this content and they know how I feel. It's just one one effort that we can create to, to give hope. And the value in that is that a few people that are creating content can then share that message to many, many, many people. We have 500,000 suicide attempts a year. We don't talk about that. We have 46,000 completions. That's what we talk about. But 500,000 people a year are attempting to end their life. They're in pain. They're struggling. And that makes my heart hurt. It really helps me stay motivated to, to put into words and articulate the message that I have and to put it out there so that one day when technology is advanced enough so that machine learning can be used, it can match up my message to the one guy or girl that needs it at the exact moment that they need it. What, what's the end goal with this process? Is it to, obviously, like you just mentioned, it's to get people to the resources they need, but is that more than just content? Do you, is the end goal hopefully to match them up with maybe an in-person thing or a therapist or some type of group or a, basically a, a human resource that they can kind of take the next steps or does that kind of depend person to person really? No, actually there's a, there's a pretty well thought out plan a lot of this obviously is visionary because none of it's been executed yet. 
basically if the, the artificial intelligence can figure out who is struggling and then there's a there's a database that has content applicable, then all that does is captures their attention and helps them hold on for a few minutes or a few moments and inspires them, hopefully motivates them, help, hopefully re- helps them recognize that there are, there are tons of people out there that can empathize and that care. And then that that's just a few moments. The next step really comes... That's really the tip of the iceberg. It's the right? tip of the iceberg. And, and it's just not... That's never been done before. Um, and it has to get done. We have to be able to find those people with those needs rather than just blanket state... All these blanket resolutions or blanket solutions for everybody mm-hmm. when there's just a few specific people out of the population that need help. So we develop that technology to, to address those people. We bring them in, help them feel loved, feel like there's a people that, that are concerned. And, and then what's next? The next step is to help them go through an online assessment. And there's a lot of technologies out there. Providence.org is a good example. Uh, basically where you can go through a bunch of questions that helps you by the time you're done, basically get diagnosed for whatever challenge you're struggling with. And, and it's really really accurate and helping helping you identify the mental illness that you're they're struggling with. So at the end of that assessment, Previdence has basically gives you a list of to-dos and it could be as serious as go visit the ER because you're suicidal or you're in danger. But that's not necessarily the future. I don't think people like to be told go see a doctor. Go to the ER, right? Right. They want help when they're looking for help and they're now they're getting help and as soon as they get told that they have a problem they're being told go somewhere else. That's not what people want to hear. Uh, and I believe the future actually is that we then create technologies that allow physicians, therapists, and doctors to then automatically be responding to those people that are high risk. I don't know if there's even a need for therapists to have an office anymore. With video conferencing technology, they could visit with 50 to 100 people a day, which is easily 10 times more than they're currently doing, get paid a lot more money, and be a lot more effective in intervening those situations. So people can actually have that personal connectivity to a therapist that's licensed, practiced, experienced, and qualified to help them walk through these challenging circumstances. So the technology's all out there. It's just a matter of time before all these ducks get put in a row. Right. And then you look at other things like bots that are coming out and the, just the way they're getting more sophisticated and answering questions. And, and then also technologies like Alexa, voice technology. There are a lot of ways you can reach out to a person um, and get in, basically get them to the next step, wherever that next step may be. But backing up a little bit, there was one thing you mentioned in our meeting that I thought was good and I wanted to bring up in this conversation. And it's that sometimes we focus a lot of attention on the the suicides and then the suicides the suicide prevention but we don't look at the stuff before that we don't look at the stuff that leads to the anxiety that then leads to depression that then leads to suicidal thoughts and i thought it was kind of an interesting perspective to look at it when you're talking going all the way back to the very first thing that may start this snowball rolling and become this very serious matter yeah, I think that's one thing the government's really good at is throwing a bunch of money at a bunch of consequences and effects. And hopefully it changes the way those effects and those consequences come about, right? But we know that it's a cause and effect. And so if you're if you're addressing the effects, you're not really ever going to have progress. And so where where I'm identifying and I I would love to be corrected in this is that I believe that suicide is a personal problem. And that's because people have a problem being personal. And 
when I when I break it down, I'm breaking back down, back down to the root cause. Why are you depressed? Oh, I had this terrible experience when is when I was a three year old. I was raped, or I was molested, or I had this this awful experience going through school. I was bullied. I was picked on. Um, I started becoming self conscious about my weight, or my eyes were too close together. Or I got made fun of because the way I tied my shoes. Whatever it is, right? It's it was the social interaction with somebody that helped you start having less confidence in yourself. And whether that's a lack of training from your parents or a lack of training coming from the education system or whatever it is, there was something that happened that caused you to feel like you as a person are not worthy, not valuable, and not accepted to the people around you. And so then you just start to attack yourself. You're fat, you're ugly, nobody likes you. And, and you start to believe that all, your, your own messaging. And then add on top of that social media. How many times do you see social media and you, you hear somebody actually admitting that they're depressed that day? Never, right? right? You don't see pictures. You don't see experiences of people's real life. You only see the good. You see when people are on vacation or when they got to raise at their job. Right. That's constantly right. bombarding you. Truck, right? And it's, it, I think it paints this whole different frame on what we start to think of as life outside of what we know it, where everyone else is, you know, pretty and they're successful and you don't know what's going on in their life because that's the only portion you're being shown. And like you said, it really affects that kind of negative self-talk that starts playing in your mind. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that negative self-talk and, and that negative self-talk just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, and, and suicide is a consequence of negative self-talk. I don't, I don't know if there's any other really root source other than something happened that caused you to be negative internally and you're not you, d- you now don't have an optimistic perspective on life. You don't have the hope that tomorrow could be better than today. And maybe I can affect that by making changes like this, this, and this. That's gone when you have a mental illness because you've been programmed and you've been trained to feel like everybody else has a happy life with full of solutions and resources and opportunities. And I don't because I don't deserve it. If there's a message that I have for anybody today, it would be that everyone has value, everyone has worth, and especially for those people that have a a message that they want to share with other people, to start sharing that message. Because if we don't become more personal with our relationships and start recognizing that somebody's having a bad day, we're never going to reach out. That could be our last opportunity to ever talk to that person. Suicide is becoming an epidemic. Suicide is becoming this solution of all solutions. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it once they're dead. I wish there was. My brother's been gone seven years. I wish I could have him back. There's a lot of things that I regret. And so now I live my life one day at a time, making sure that everyone that I come in contact with knows that I'm somebody that I, that I hope you know can, you can trust. I hope you know you can come talk to me. I hope you know that I care about you because you're a human being. And there isn't anything that you could do, say, think, or feel that would cause me to change my value of you. Something you mentioned there is important that there's not just the stigma of maybe mental illness and kind of the view of our society about that. That's slowly changing, but it's still there that, you know, it's something you just get over or you're just in a funk. But I think there's also kind of the stigma that you said that everyone else's life is going great right now. And this is just something like you said, a personal problem. This is just something I'm dealing with right now. And I think it helps if you have someone 
who can even just say, hey, I, I had a bad day too. Obviously, there's a whole spectrum of what we're talking about here. Right. But I think opening up that dialogue is a good way to start that. And it's something that with the way we communicate now, I think is hard to do. I mean, most people don't even want to talk on the phone to someone. It's like, just send me a text. You know, it's easy to put off difficult conversations and it's easy to put off talking to someone or saying, I'll do it tomorrow and just going back and being glued into your newsfeed on Facebook or things like that, rather than doing the hard stuff and kind of the one-on-one -on -one interaction, whether that's on the phone or in person or however. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that, exactly what you're saying is that those personal relationships are easier and easier to let you know disconnect to automate to right. automate and to create artificial emotions I don't know sending an emoji is, is certainly a lot easier than actually calling someone and saying man I didn't know you were struggling so bad I just want you to know that I care about you and whatever whatever happens that I don't think anything less of you so I'm here for you regardless of whatever you decide to do next. And I think that's a, the key message and the important thing to get out there is just if you notice someone, don't kind of ignore that feeling or that whatever when you see that someone's down, no matter what you think the cause is, just to reach out and do something as simple as asking them how their day's been or how things are going right now and build upon kind of getting to know that person more or just communicating with them more where they're in a place that they feel comfortable. I guess releasing some of this or explaining and sharing some of it. Yeah, I mean relationships take work and it takes time to build trust that to know who you can actually talk to that you know that that aren't going to repeat maybe confidential information or that aren't going to treat you differently because they know you've had thoughts of actually taking your life because of your mental illness. Um, and so, I mean, it's really important to maintain that relationship of trust and loyalty. I was also thinking that for those people that have had a recent experience with somebody that's been suicidal or has actually completed a suicide, I know it here in Summit County, we've lost some individuals and that, it, that it's extremely difficult to cope with. I just wanted to share a, a quick message to everybody that is struggling with the, the thoughts of it's getting so bad and I feel like I'm not doing anything about it. And um, the one thing that I would say that the one thing that you can do is share your love. And what I mean is turn your phone on, turn that camera on yourself, push record and vent. And I'm, what I'm saying is if you've got a message to teenagers, talk to teenagers. If you've got a message to, to middle-aged men or women or somebody that's lose, lost their job or if you've got a message that you want to tailor to some specific audience, don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there as someone that cares enough to share that message. Social media has the ability to make sure that that reaches the audience that it needs to, but if you don't create it and if you don't share that love via those technologies, nothing good will ever come. And you don't know how many people you're going to reach doing something like that. Maybe it's only one person who's scrolling through their feed and they're, they're kind of at a really dark point and they see that and it uplifts them. Or maybe, like you said, it goes viral and it's shared and it helps a lot of people. There's just no way of knowing if you don't do it. Exactly. That's, a, I think, a good place to kind of segue and let people know some of the things you have going on next and maybe if they want to get specifically involved or learn more about Suicide Sucks, uh, what are some things they can do or where can they go? So I'm really working on sharing those types of stories. If somebody's been down the path to suicide 
um, and, and has figured out a way to find hope in their lives, I would love to interview them and create videos and content around that, that message of hope. And people can contact me at Aaron at SuicideSucks.com. I'm actually a 501c3 nonprofit organization that if people are, are interested and kind of believe in this innovation method of preventing suicide, that they, they are more than willing to donate. I'm always looking for support and some strength in that, that arena. And uh, basically, SuicideSucks.com, you can, you can get that information and figure out uh, anything you want to know about what I'm doing. I try and keep it as, as updated as possible to let people know exactly how I'm going about suicide prevention as a self-claimed suicide prevention strategist so that I can enable and strengthen everybody else that it's in this community. Awesome. Just before we close, one last thing. I ask everybody this, but I think it's especially fitting here. If you had one thing that you wanted to tell someone who, whether they're dealing with an issue or whether they may know someone who is, what would that be? What's the one thing you want people to know and take away from this? It would be, a, don't be afraid to be personal and to be courageous about that vulnerability. And what I mean by that is if you're struggling with something that is personal have the courage to talk to someone that you trust and let somebody else share that load with you. If you're somebody that recognizes a friend or a child or a sibling is having an off day, have the courage and be personal enough to, to stop them and ask them sincerely and genuinely, how's your day going? Has anything happened that's, that's caused you to be upset? And very specific to suicide, if you go down a path that someone starts rec starts to say things that are in indicating their suicide, I would urge everybody to use the words, have you considered suicide? Ask it as bluntly as you can, because if you don't ask it bluntly and openly, they'll escape it or they'll dodge it. They might end up completing that without you having had the chance to fully divulge that information. You had a chance to talk to them but you didn't go all the way down that path. So if you ever have somebody indicating that they want to terminate or all their problems are soon going to be over or they've always been a burden and, and they're, they're really sorry and they're apologizing or they're getting rid of all their stuff or whatever it is, if you've got a, a gut feeling that they're suicidal, ask them, are you planning to kill yourself? Are you planning a suicide? And then get more details if they are. Get, are do you have a weapon? Do you have, a, do you have drugs? When are you planning to do it? Where are you planning to do it? And those are just a few basic things that really can save a lot of lives. Aaron, thanks so much for stopping by. And again, anyone who wants to check out more of what he's doing, go to suicidesucks.com. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Summit County HealthCast. For news, program information, and more, visit us at summitcountyhealth.org. Stay healthy, Summit County. Summit County.